while you are turning to Second Timothy and somebody walking through with notes just in case somebody didn't get them when they walked in, let's do a true and false. Let's talk about Pennsylvania, talking about community and the Commonwealth. Let's see how well we know Pennsylvania. True or false? PA's official state animal is the black bear. Is that true? You don't know. This is a guess. Well, it's a 50-50 guess, right? Okay. It is... It is false. Okay, do you know what it is? It's the white-tailed deer. Okay. Here's one for you about your, your state that you grew up in. PA was the only one of the original colonies that did not border the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. Got 50-50, true or false? This one is true. You're doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Over 100% over 2. All right. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia was the site of the first baseball stadium built in America. That is false. Anybody know what the true is? No. No, that's... You're okay, you're only one for uh, four now. Okay. It was, it was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was where the first stadium. Um, here we go, this one. PA State Dog is the Beagle. Candace, whatever you say, I'm going to say the opposite. False. <laughs> this is unplanned, by the way. <laughs> the Great Dane. Uh, here we go. The Rockville Bridge north of Harrisburg is the longest stone arch bridge in the world. Go with the crowd. It's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> this was called a friend without even making the phone call. So. <laughs> ah, that's true. Here we go. Uh, the first daily newspaper in America was published in Pennsylvania. It is true. The Pennsylvania Packet and Daily Advertiser. Here we go. PA State Tree is the Canadian hemlock. <laughs> Great. Here we go. Uh, each year on New Year's Day, there's a reenactment of Washington's crossing the Delaware at the Washington's crossing. Somebody, yeah, somebody's got the. It's not New Year's Day. What day did he go and cross? It was Christmas. It was Christmas. Okay. Very good, though. You got that. William Penn helped found the first public zoo in Philadelphia. Didn't Penn, uh, Philadelphia had the first zoo? It wasn't William Penn. It's, it's Franklin. It's Ben Franklin, not William Penn. That's the false part about it. <clears throat> Little League's first World Series was held in 1946 at Williamsport. Yeah, you got that one. You got that one. Kennett Square is the world's mushroom capital. Yeah, you drive through it. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's mushrooms all the way. Uh, there is a law in the books in Harrisburg that prohibits someone from teaching a class in school while sipping on carbonated drink. She is consistent. <laughs> it's false. <laughs> it's false. It's not Harrisburg. 
It's Hazelton. They, they have it on their books, and I don't know how they re, uh, would enforce that. Here's one that we get us. Uh, oops, this, I forgot about this one. Uh, presidential Mansion, first one in America was Philadelphia. Yep, that's where Washington lived, did his cabinets. Unlike all the original colonies, Pennsylvania allowed, almost all the colonies, Pennsylvania allowed for freedom of religion. True or false? That is true. Okay, do you know what the only other colony that did? Rhode Island, founded by um, William, Roger Williams. Is it Roger Williams? And he was Baptist, and so he would... The other colonies, most all of them were... Maryland was Catholic. Most of the others were the uh, Church of England. Uh, you had to be a member in order to do things. Speaking of liberty, that's what we're going to talk about today. What liberties do we have in Christ? We've been talking about this idea of, okay, becoming more like Christ and that idea of uh, personal holiness. And so we've talked through a variety of passages that say, okay, to have personal holiness, there's certain things we need to have out of our life, put into our life, and we have those lists of specifics. Where we were last week is we were talking about passages that say, hey, it may not be a specific, but it's giving a more general truth, saying staying staying away from certain things. Uh, Let me see if we can do this one. According to this text, what are we supposed to stay away from? The specific isn't laid out like um, drunkenness or immorality, but a broader umbrella. What is it in this one? The world. Okay, we're supposed to separate from the world, and that is because the focus of the world is all about me. Yeah, myself, whatever. It's self-promotion. Speaking of turning off phones. Um, so you have that, that idea coming from that passage. This one, okay, what are we supposed to separate from? The unbelievers, okay, uh, in, in what way? Have no, nothing to do with any unbeliever? Okay, in the sense that this is talking about having intimate um, binding together, whether some have would apply marriage or business in, in the focus of the text, it's dealing with religious activities and practices and worship is the, is the main idea of the entire text. What about this one? Have no fellowship with any general umbrella, unfruitful works of darkness, and he talks about the idea that we're supposed to totally stay away from it. We would understand that what he's talking about is all these things mentioned in the previous verses. And so he's generalized all this, this foolish talking, uh, immorality, covetousness, etc., and saying that it's wrong for us to the point of not only engaging in it, but to even tolerating it, to this condoning it, or even getting um, joking about it, just staying away from it. Second Thessalonians, we're to separate from who in this text? Who do we have? A brother and sister, a, a fellow believer, in what situation? Okay, if they're, if they're in a rebellious state, a spirit of uh, going against the Word of God, you've, con- you've talked to them, and they just insist on doing some of those practices that are forbidden in Scripture. But again, we're supposed to go to them first of all. And then after we've gone to them, and if they refuse, then we're supposed to have some separation. This one's talking about separating from who? 
okay? In particular, it's a group of people who come to your door. And what might they be propagating? Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. There are false doctrines about the gospel, okay? If they don't bring this doctrine, talking about the doctrine of Christ. In fact, we're supposed to go so far as to not have them or even say to them, you know, God bless you, Godspeed. Okay, great. Now, where we were last week, we stopped right at this one. Let's do one more. In 2 Timothy, you're there. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, remember the context. This is written to Timothy, and so 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, they're primarily applicable. The application is to those who are in ministry, leading the church. And that's the most pointed. That's the, the first application. But then we have subsidiary or secondary applications to the people sitting under the teaching of the, by those men. So he says to Timothy, you need to get away from what? In verse 22, he makes the comment, we are to separate or flee from youthful lust. Okay? Youthful lust. Now, he defines that, not just any type of, of lust, but youthful lust. Why would he identify that? L- l- let me rephrase that. What, what do you think? Why would he target this area? I know it's a tough question. But why is he saying, Timothy, you stay away from that which seems to be predominant among younger people who are following cravings? Why would he do that? What's that? I'm sure you got to say it a little bit louder. Okay, Timothy is younger. Okay, he's, he's probably, do you remember from your studies? 30s, for, you know, under 40. Okay. Um, is there, you know, with that in mind, what you're saying that because of his age, is there certain, I don't know, this sounds really weird, but I'm wondering if this is what the text is about. Do younger people become, younger adults, can they be more driven by things in the world? Why? What's that? Okay, okay, they may not be mature enough in their faith. What's that? Peer pressure can be, can be really, really strong. Um, does it happen as we get older that certain things prioritize and fall into place and you go, you know, I used to spend all my time about that, but it really doesn't mean as much? Does that happen? Okay, so prioritizing changes. What might be some of those things that younger adults, and and, and I'm not trying to pick on younger adults because I feel like an old fogey doing this one. Okay, what might be in our youth that we look back on, what might be those things we got caught up in? What's that? Partying? Is that what you said? Okay. Okay, could it be be the... um, the different types of of drunkenness, things like that, in the youth. What else might younger folk put more focus on? Physical appearance. Okay, after a while we don't care because it won't help. Okay. But uh, younger is, and I'm not, I'm, again, I'm sounding old. Do younger people put a greater priority on keeping up with fads? Okay. 
Okay? And it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's there. What else might be there that they would put more attention to? Okay, feelings versus facts. Okay, that's a that's a strong possibility. Absolutely. Something else? A popularity? Okay, somebody said about peer pressure. Is that a stronger um, the as you look back in your life? Was there a time in your life when you were in your teen years maybe? It was a stronger motivation than it is now? Okay, I, th- I think those are general truths, okay, where we say, okay, that which they might find more appealing, and it's not to say that we don't struggle with it who are getting older, but the point is, you know, can younger people get really inundated by monetary things? Okay, can younger people really get motivated by, I need to make a name for myself? Does that happen ever? Yeah, okay, it doesn't mean that we, as we get older, we, we don't struggle. But sometimes, generationally, that is a real struggle much more than an older generation. So he's warning, he says, stay away from those things that really catch up when you were young. Be careful of that. And then in the next verse, he tells us something else to avoid. He t- he's talking to Timothy, the preacher. What else is he supposed to avoid? What do you have? What's that? Did, what, do you, what does yours read? Disputes. disputes. Okay. He's supposed to the foolish and unlearned questions. Okay. Um, where he makes that comment in verse 23. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Does anybody... I'm reading from the translation I'm using. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Does somebody have something different in that first phrase? In a different translation? Stupid arguments? Okay. Okay, excellent. That helps the insight. What God is, what is in this text, the words that are used are very, very clear words, the idea of debates and frivolous arguments. Getting into debates, getting into um, arguing over things that sometimes can't get answered. Okay, church history. Literally, church history. They would hold huge conferences and huge debates over such things, and this is one of the arguments that was in some of these church councils. How many angels can stand on the head of a pin? What's the answer? Who cares? Right? Right? I mean, it's something that we're not going to know. But can it become, in theological circles, can people get hung up on those types of things? And that's what he's warning about. And he's saying, don't do this. Don't get up, get caught up in verbal debate and argumentative spirit. Okay. Now, I'm gonna, this is your, your moment to take pot shots. Why would he bother telling a preacher this? You're going to be asked some of those stupid questions and have to answer them? That, that's so kind of you to say it that way. Okay. Why might a preacher get caught up in this? Okay. Okay. Personal pride. Okay, here's a battle. People come up and they ask questions. And so I've been trained and supposed to be knowledgeable in the Bible. What do you think might be a, a, a you know, they ask a question and I don't have an answer. In my pride, what might I want to do? Make one up. Okay. People never do this. Okay, 
So typically, the guys who are going to go towards ministry, typically there's some type of a zealousness. There's some type of, woo, okay? Is that a fair statement? They're motivated, motivated type individuals who don't mind standing up in front of people and trying to motivate people. And so do those types of A personalities, can they get caught up arguing over their own personal opinions and making it thus saith the Lord? It happens all the time. You know it does. You're being kind, okay? You're being very gracious. Uh, too often we preachers think we can hand, we have a handle on every topic or every viewpoint or think we have to have one. Or too often when it comes we preachers, we want to make sure everybody agrees with me and nobody disagrees. Okay? When we have conversations, it, uh, y'all, I need to make sure she understands I'm right. Okay? <laughs> And so, you know, there's, there's that personality that's in, in there. And if you're in leadership, and you've, this happens in business too or whatever, people in leadership, they want everybody at times, if they're not careful, to agree with them. And so he's warning, he says, in the church setting, don't get caught up with, with petty things. And don't have a spirit that you always have to be right, Okay. And so he's warning about that, and he goes on in the next verse or so, and he says, hey, instead of getting caught up with that stuff, what should the servant of the Lord follow after? He says it in verse 23, and then he refers to it again in verse 24. Instead of, instead of getting caught up with personal desires and gain and popularity, what should you follow after? Kindness. Okay, And he talks about all these different things, faith and the virtues. And then he as well makes this, this comment that in verse 24, you know, where he's warned, he says, The foolish arguments, they gender strifes. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but he must be a gentle person, apt to teach, patient. In other words, the goal of, of leading people is not to create conflict, but to create unity in the body. And so he's warning him. He's saying, be very careful that you live peaceably. So he's given us all those things. And we've talked about these over the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to ask you to try to remember what we talked about two weeks ago, last week, and this week. And then do some just summarizing about this issue of separation. The reason I want to take a few minutes is, in our day and age, when I, when I use the word separation, there's almost um, a bristling of people saying, uh, it sounds like we're too... We're getting too haughty, or it sounds like we're, what's that? Cultish. Okay, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. It sounds like we're trying to be, you know, monastic, and that's not the case. We're not saying that. We're to separate, you know, let's put it in, in its context biblically. Is separation from evil a good thing or a bad thing? Is separation good? It is. But you know how certain terms over a period of time, they get a bad connotation. Okay? Separation is one of those that in, in Bible circles, and as we go by, people don't like to talk about separating over doctrine. Everybody should just plain get along. Okay? Separation from evil and evildoers is not a bad thing. It's not harmful for us. It's not harmful for your family. God is himself separate from evil and he's good. We don't have to be involved with evil in order to be seen as good people. In fact, we should 
be separated, to be seen as good people. It is beneficial to us personally. Here was where I wanted to teach my kids. I don't know how you're doing it, but when we were raising our kids, it was, it was times where they would say, well, why can't we, da-da-da-da-da-da, because, and their excuse always was, because... Okay, you've heard these things. Everybody else is doing it. And in their mind, what were they thinking? I'm missing out on something. How come we can't go, you know, other kids, they're allowed no curfew. They can go out until 2 o'clock in the morning. How come you have a curfew that we have to be home by 10.30 or 11 o'clock? And their, their thought was, we're missing out on what happens after 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Personally... Okay, what typically happens after 10:30 and 11 o'clock? Not not the best of things, right? But in our mind, we feel like I'm missing something. So, is separation in this thought? If God says we should separate from the world, are we missing out on something that's good for us? The answer is no, no, not at all. But that's a concept we have to teach our young people. And our kids is that by by being careful, by be, living godly, you're not missing out on something, you know. And people would say, well, you know, in order to understand how bad something is, you need to try it. Do you need to sip arsenic to find out it's bad for you? Yes, no, no. Do you do you need to? And I'm I'm going to be blunt. Do you need to go out and be immoral to find out how bad an STD can be? The answer is no, no. You don't need that. And God is saying separation is really good for us, you know, and basically he's protecting us by saying don't get involved in something that um, can become addictive. Don't get involved in that. Whose benefit is it for us to listen to God? Ours, ours. Okay, and so this this concept is it's natural. Do you remember what he says? Every man that has this hope of seeing Jesus Christ in his purity, every man that has that that hope within him, what does he do? He purifies himself. It is a natural inclination to become more like God if you're truly born again. Now it goes up and down for us. I saw something that was, that, well, I'll, I'll leave it go. I'll get caught sidetracked. Separation is the rejection of sinful tem- tendencies, but not only do we put off, what does biblical separation involve? Putting on. Okay, I've got to become more like God. Okay, for us as parents, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I've shared that with you. So what I knew about child-rearing and, and disciplining wasn't really always real good biblical, biblically. It was more everything was done in anger as a parent. And so when we were raising kids, it was like, I have to really work at putting off, not responding in anger, not disciplining in anger. But then what did we need to put on? Biblically disciplining. The right way in our world... Do people say, well, I don't want to do what my parents did, so I won't even discipline? Does that ever happen? Then what happens? Chaos, confusion, you're not helping your kids. And so there's always this putting off and putting on aspect. Let's take another step further, okay? Separation, let's make sure we all understand, it doesn't mean isolation. 
we say we're biblical separatists from the world. That doesn't mean we isolate from the world. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have contact. It does mean what you mentioned this morning, having a binding from that Second Corinthians 6, not being yoked together to the point that I'm going to be influenced rather than being influential. Separation is a must. Do you remember what he talked about? The light of the world. Remember the salt of the earth? If the, if the salt has lost its impact, what good is it? It is good to just throw upon the ground. And so in order to maintain our saltiness, our distinction, it is critical for evangelism. So separation has its benefit this way. Like anything else, it can be twisted into something wrong or bad. Do you know, have you seen, have you been in, I have, um, situations, groups, Bible groups, even churches, where separation has been distorted and become something not good? Have you ever seen that? How does that happen? In what way can separation become harmful? Uh, any any thoughts? Go ahead, Candace. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And so then, who becomes the standard? Yeah, okay. Can you think of a group of people in the Bible who were separatists? The Pharisees, okay? They separated from a lot of stuff. Where did they twist it? And they were supposed to. But where did they twist it that it became bad? Go along with what she's saying. What did, what did they end up doing? They were always doing it for show, Okay. Somebody else was... Okay, they made themselves the standard. What was wrong with their putting off... They were supposed to practice certain hygienic things. Yes, no? They were supposed to stay away from certain meats and certain things. Was that true? Okay, that wasn't what was wrong. But what did they do with it? Legalism. Which all of a sudden, because I do these things, therefore, I'm good and I'm spiritual. So it was all about the outward, not the inward. Can we do that, even in modern days? Can we as a church say, um, okay, uh, is it a good thing? Is it a good thing to have a Bible when you come to church? Or like you're using, you're using your Bible app. Is it a good thing to have a Bible? How can we make that and twist that into something that it's good, but we can make it something bad? We can make it a statement. We can make it a statement and a judgmental statement that unless you don't have the Bible as big as I have, Okay, you're not spiritual. Can we take something good and make it something bad? We can do it all the time. We we can say, okay, um, we are not supposed to. Well, this this is getting tough. Um, 
I'll, I'll use an illustration from my past. Um, in our community, the, the bowling alley was also the main bar of the community. So to go bowling, you have to be in the main bar. Okay, and that co- posed a problem, okay, for some believers. Uh, it's like, I don't want to go there because of the atmosphere. It wasn't like, you know, some places it's distinct. You have to go to another room. This was, this was the room. So some of the believers, and even one of the men that was uh, very influential in our life, his personal standard was no belie- that he would not go to that place. Okay, I re- and I respect that. And there was a period of time that I did the same thing because I needed to. Because when I was there at the bowling alley, even as a teenager, they would sell to underage minors. And so that became a place for us to drink. And so it was like, okay, now that I'm saved, I, I, I shouldn't go there because I'm going to be caught up with my friends doing the same SOS, same old stuff. But... All of a sudden, even as time went by and the association with the bowling and the bar, they sold the bar part. And then it became a bowling alley only. But there was a group that said, if you join our church, you have to sign a paper that you will never go to a bowling alley. Not just that bowling alley, but any bowling alley. Now, maybe you don't bowl. And maybe this is a dumb illustration, but, and you don't care about it, but can we transfer some of those good separation standards and then all of a sudden make a blanket statement? And to join that church, you had to promise you would never, ever go bowling. And those churches who did, it, who did do bowling, another town 13, 14 miles away, they had a bowling alley and there was no bar. But because of these people's experience, you're a bad church if you go to a bowling alley. Is that becoming pharisaical? Does that become applying a good standard in a bad way? Yeah, and so we need to be very wise and very, very careful on those things. And so we, uh, we as, as you, a couple of you said, we can become very judgmental of others. While we're separating, we can make ourselves the holy standard. We can substitute our walk with the Lord for the activities that we do or don't do. And not have a close walk with the Lord, but we're towing the line. And by the way, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. As a baby Christian, I thought towing the line was easier than walking with the Lord. I wanted people to tell me, do five things or do these six things. And it just kind of, my nature went back to, if I do these things, then everything's okay. And so we, we need to be very careful with that. Now, let me take it a step further. There are things that are not stated in the Bible, okay, that are not mentioned. Specific things. If they're not mentioned, then they must be okay. I will give you the conversations that I've had over the last few years, uh, uh, instances. Since the Bible doesn't speak, doesn't speak, yeah, pointedly about such and such, therefore it's okay. It's thumbs up. I have had people, and I joked about this at the end, people have told me it's wrong to get a speeding ticket 
The Bible never talks about it's being wrong to speed. There's a reason why the Bible doesn't talk about speeding. Okay, but since it's not, yeah, since it's not there, it's okay. I've had somebody tell me he doesn't have to obey the laws because the Bible doesn't say them. Okay, here's one for you. Gambling, the Bible doesn't talk about specifically. The only mention of gambling is, there's an illustration in the scriptures. The soldiers... Through lots for the okay. Therefore, gambling's okay because the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not gamble. Okay, here's one for you: smoking cigarette and cigars. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not smoke nicotine. Thou shalt not vape. Therefore, it's okay. In fact, 150 years ago, did most people, even the Christians, smoke? That's true. Spurgeon, the great preacher, you see pictures of him. He's got a big stogie. Yeah. Okay, but because it's not stated, therefore it's not, it's okay for me to do. Um, I've heard this in more recent times. The Bible doesn't talk about heroin being bad. And therefore, if God didn't want it, he wouldn't make those plants that can process these drugs. So it must not be wrong to do. The one that I didn't understand is the next two. Um, I didn't understand any of them, but this one, it's okay because we're not told, thou shalt not bomb the abortion clinic. Therefore, we can do it. We can go down there and not just protest, we can use violence. This one is transgenderism. The Bible, and I heard this in the last year, the Bible doesn't say guys can't become girls and girls can't become guys. Therefore, since the Bible doesn't talk about it, it's okay. By the way, does the Bible talk specifically about transgenderism? It doesn't have that word. Okay? It's just not there. One of the reasons is... It's so stupid, it's just like, why would God even talk about it? Anyway, that's another whole topic. But this one, we can watch anything because the Bible doesn't tell us R-rated movies are bad. X-rated movies are bad. Therefore, anything goes. If we are going to operate on the principle that if the Bible doesn't talk about it, then anything goes, we could be in real problems. And by the way, the reason the Bible doesn't talk about every little specific thing through history is because... What's that? I mean, we've become the church with dump trucks, you know, of pages. I mean, your whole, your whole phone would have no room for anything else. Okay, so we, here we come to this spot that says, okay, what about those topics that the Bible doesn't specifically state? You're raising kids. You're influencing grandkids. You want them to honor the Lord. What do you tell them? What do you teach them? How do we operate? We're doing a Bible study with young, young people or young couple, and they're baby Christians, and they want to know, what can I do? What can I do? And they're going to ask you, tell me how I need to live. And you're going to say, that's too big. Because, number one, I don't want to become people's guru. 
Okay, I want to guide people, but I don't want to be the one to tell them, you know, call me up. Is it okay if we do this? Is it okay if we do that? Call me up. Is it okay if we do this? That gets, that would be draining. So what do we have to teach people? They have to do something. They, they have to read the Bible. But we're not, we're telling them they have to look for, discern principles. Okay? Principles. And to do that, you have to use something that a lot of people don't want to use. Their brain. Okay. So we've got to combine the Bible and our brains and think it through. And, and let's, let's be honest. It is easier as a baby Christian to have somebody else give us the answer rather than study and pray about something. Would you grant that that's true? Okay, so what do we do? What principles, taking this verse, that we are to prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. This, is, this was me in my home. My kids were always asking the question, what's blank with something? What's wrong with something? That's the wrong way to approach it. According to the Word of God, what should we be saying? What's right about whatever the practice may be. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Anybody have an idea what this, what, how you would redefine this verse? Restate it? Any input? Okay, being holy. Okay. What are we supposed to be doing here? We're supposed to prove literally means put to the test. Over and over and over again. Test. Examine things. Okay, examine things that you do. By the way, have you ever noticed that sometimes your examination, you might change over a period of time on certain topics? Is that okay? We'll talk about that in a few moments, okay? So you have to prove the idea of acceptable is literally what pleases the Lord. Since we're supposed to be individuals that are glorifying the Lord, we want to ask this question, what would please Jesus? What, what principles, where we go with it. So we are supposed to evaluate to find out, is this honoring to the Lord and is it good for me? What verses can we use? What questions should we ask? So what we're doing is we're taking verses and we're going to let you, with these verses, determine what should be the question that you should ask when you're evaluating you know, whatever you're doing, your entertainment, your job. Um, taking a career move, um, you know, education of your kids. How does this play into it? Okay, so you're asking questions. Let's do these verses, okay? This one right here. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. What's your question? If I'm, if I'm deciding, okay, is this something I should do or something I shouldn't do? What's my question I've got to ask? Does it glorify God? Okay, it's, it's nothing profound, but, it's, but at the same time, it is extremely profound. Will doing this honor the Lord? Can I play sports and honor the Lord? Yes, I can. I can do that. I think you can. Can I play you know, any, any type of instrument and honor the Lord? Okay, okay. Can you drive a Ford and still honor the Lord? Some of you are no, okay. But you're asking, you're asking this question. Now, this was a very broad question. Let's do something a little bit more pointed, okay? Abstain from all appearance of evil. What's your question? What would you ask based on this verse? It's so simple. 
that you're, you're, you're hesitant to answer. The bottom line is, how does it look? With that in mind, what is he implying that we need to be careful about? Testimony. Is there a time that we believers need to be concerned about what other people think? Yes or no? We do. Do they dictate to us? Should they dictate to us? To a degree, okay? So if they dictate to us, we should cuss. We can't do that. But if they dictate to us that saying, hey, listen, this is an expectation that Christians don't do this. And by the way, does the world have a standard for you? Do they have a standard? What are Christians supposed to do when it comes to work? What's that? Do it without complaining. Do your work. Work hard. Integrity. Showing up on time. The world has a standard for us. Okay, they just expect certain things. And so it's, okay, to a degree, I need to be concerned, how does this look? Is this look wicked? Does it look evil? Okay, what kind of a testimony will this be? And so in a community, okay, can you understand why if in a community the bar and the uh, bowling alley were so tied together that maybe in that community there is some wisdom to step away from that activity in that community? Can we see the sense in that? Okay, um, here's a question for you, and again, it's very simple. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. Again, I'm not, I know these chords are dangerous for me. Sorry. Go ahead, talk. I'm wrapped in this cord. <laughs> you can keep, I'm, never mind. <clears throat> What's that verse saying to you? Okay, excellent, excellent, okay? Again, I don't mean to be, to be so simplistic, but at the same time, will this hurt or help my testimony? Will it hurt or help? I, I've got to evaluate, does it hurt or help my testimony? Therefore, I need to know my audience, too. I need to know, um, in, in Regeneration Reservation, they're in a community that's with the Indian community. What are the biggest issues in the Indian community? Alcoholism, okay. And what did most every Indian community bring in to help supplement their incomes? Gambling and casinos. When that happened, one of the big things in the casinos is card playing. So Regen thought this through, that they're bringing the Indians to their facility who might be on Saturday evening, you know, doing the blackjack or whatever, and so they came to a point that they thought, maybe when we have games setting out, maybe some of the games we should stay away from are the card games, just in this community. Does that mean cards are evil? But for them, in that culture, it was like, maybe we should be a little bit more cautious because there's a total lack of discernment about you know the games or somebody walking in and going, oh, you guys are playing, you know, you're playing card game, you know, and you got some chips there. And they would assume something. 
And so they needed to be careful with that in their personal application for that period of time. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, you are not your own, for you bought with a price, therefore glorify God. What would be your question? What are you going to teach your kids? They have to ask. They have to ask. Okay, let's make it a more pointed one. Okay, let's pray. What is he talking in prayer? Which I agree with you totally, Gary. What is he talking about in particular here? Your body, your body. What question might you ask about your body? Is this helpful? Is this healthy to my body? My body is the temple of God. Will this hurt or help my body? Which, by the way, if we start applying it to some of those questions we asked earlier, Okay, let's take one of the things that in the last generation we've come to find out it's typically hurtful, which is the cigarette smoking. Did they know that 100 years ago? Did they know that in 1960? You know, it was only coming out, right? But I, we, we're weird. We watch a lot of the old films because we don't like what's in typical new films. So we watch a lot of the TCM and I'm amazed how many of the characters in TCM, they're always smoking. The guys and the gals are always smoking. Because in that time period, in that culture, smoking meant you were cool. You were classy. Okay, does it, does it speak today with the knowledge we have that this is cool and classy? It speaks that this is harmful. It's bad. So it's an easy one to do that one to say, okay, will this hurt my body in some way? And teaching our kids, okay, we got it. And, and teaching young people, this one's really hard. They don't want to answer this question. You know, when you were a teenager, what did you think? Nothing's going to hurt me. Okay. It'll hurt you, old man. Okay. <laughs> but it can hurt me. Yeah. And by the way, my kids said that when I was 30-some years old. I was the old man. So, uh, but it's an excellent question we have to ask. This is a more probing question. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient, necessary. Okay, is the idea. All things are lawful, but I will not, brought, not be brought under the power of any. What's your probing question? Will this control me? Could it become an addiction? Okay, I don't need to be controlled by that thing. I want to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Can, you know, can a little bit of you know, a tobacco stick, can it control people? Okay, yes, it can. Um, can, uh, can some people get addicted to alcohol? Can they get addicted to soft drinks? Yeah, yeah, okay. Can we get addicted to shopping? That's why I don't go. It's, this is the biblical reason, okay. Yeah, that's not fair. Oh, never mind. Never mind, we're having a discussion. She said, she said, ah, this is evil. Says, can you get addicted to watching football? That's just wrong. That's just wrong. <laughs> What's that? Uh, the way I watch football is I watch a quarter, I fall asleep. And then she grabs the remote to change it. And I say, I'm watching it. Uh, What's happened? They're playing football. <laughs> 
can we become addicted to this? Okay, so we need to be careful. It can apply to lots of different things. Um, you know, in that regard, so the question is, will this control me? Okay, and this is a tough one, right? Because, it, you know, in applying. And do you ever notice that as phases go by in your life, there's always something that can control you. It's not limited to a certain age group. It's, it, this is a battle for all of us. Um, so we need to ask this question. Let, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this, that you don't put a stumbling block in front of a brother. He goes a little bit further and he says, Take heed lest by any means the liberty that you have to do things may become a stumbling block to them that are weak. There's another verse, Whether if meat make my brother to offend, I will not eat it while the world stands, lest I make my brother to offend. What is the basic principle in all of these verses? All these verses talk about we have liberty to choose, but what must we be concerned about? What do you mean the weaker brother? Okay, okay. Um, stumbling doesn't mean just an addiction. Okay. It could be just the idea that they, that they fall into sin. They fall into some type of sin. Um, and it may not be an addiction, but it could be could it be? Let, let's, let's take this one. Um, um, person that you're, you're be, befriending, they got out of alcoholism. You know they got out of alcoholism, and it was a real battle. What? And you say, let's go out for a meal. What do you want to be careful of? Don't go to a restaurant that has a bar. If you're comfortable doing that, some of you may not be, but if you're comfortable where there's a bar separate, you don't take them into an environment that could, yeah, trigger something. And they say, well, if Tom does this, it must be okay to go to these places, and therefore I'm going to go to those places, and once they get there, all of a sudden the environment sucks them in. Um, so somebody's, somebody that you knew was really, really hung up on uh, gambling. You invite them over to your house, and you say, let's play some games. What might you want to stay away from? The deck of cards, if that was their gambling thing. Somebody who's really hung up on sports, and they're addicted to sports. And this can happen, as much as we joke about. Can people become controlled by sports? Okay, so if they come over, what might I not want to turn on? The TV with the sports taking place. And so we need to be sensitive to that. And there's, there's a couple more. i got to stop. I want to stop. Okay, and pick up where, with this next in two weeks. Um, there's a whole issue here that I want to just throw this out. In this room right here, in this room, can we have different opinions or applications of some of these verses? But we all have the same Bible. We have the same Holy Spirit. How might we end up with different conclusions? Oh, so that dictates. Okay, we're going to pick up on that. Excellent answer. We're going to pick up in next week. Okay, thanks, guy. Uh, two weeks. Next week, the missionaries here.